You are listening to the Choose Your Struggle Podcast, a member of the Shameless Podcast Network. This week on the Choose Your Struggle Podcast, it's coach and former sex worker Heather Wild Smith. But first, Kid Mental, let's go. Things ain't always gonna go our way. But you can always win when you choose your struggle. And some battles will be yesterday. But today is for a new weekend. Choose your struggle. And don't worry about what they say. But you can always win when you choose your struggle. And you can bounce back. Just that day. Come on and listen in to choose your struggle. Choose your struggles. Choose your struggles. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. So great to be back with you all. Before I get into the podcast for this week, a quick shout out, quick announcement. If you listened all the way to the end last week, and by the way, thank you. I, I, you know, that's one of those numbers that I see sometimes when I'm checking how things are going on the back end. And I think my completion rate is like 80 something percent, which is super high for podcasts. So uh, that means you you love me. You really love me, as uh, Sally Fields said. I think it was Sally Fields. Uh, so for those of you who didn't or or if you heard it but like didn't really register, the birthday fundraiser is live. Now, for those of you who have been listening uh, for, for a year now, um, last year's birthday fundraiser raised over uh, – what was it? Over $12,000 for uh, the Drug Policy Alliance. And because of that, we were able to get Kellen Rusin Yellow on the show, who talked about all the that Drug Policy Alliance does with that kind of funds or, or all their funding and all the work they're doing. So thank you so much, everybody who who did that last year. This year, we are setting a bit more of a um, uh, easily uh, a bit more easy to hit target. We'll say it that way. Uh, Drug Policy Alliance is a big national organization. Obviously, something it's really easy to to support because you see the results in your uh, your neighborhood in your city. This year, I am raising funds for an organization called Savage Sisters. Now, for those of you who may have heard this, um, I've talked about this before or uh, heard me or saw me talk about this on social media. I joined the board for this organization about a month ago. Um, I reached out to the founder, Sarah Laurel, before I even moved to Philly to say, I'm really impressed with your work, would love to get connected. She was very, very kind and welcoming for that. Uh, we become friends, and and she invited me to join the board. What Savage Sisters does is they have multiple recovery houses here in Philadelphia. Uh, we we have four right now. We're about to open the fifth with a sixth on the way. Um, and these are places for people who are, are fresh out of treatment to come and sort of you know live while they get back on their feet, which is truly important and incredible, and a piece of the recovery journey that does not get talked about enough. They also, we also, I should say, as a board member, do uh, harm reduction outreach. We go to neighborhoods around Philadelphia, uh, mostly in North Philly, and we give out things like uh, food and clothing, uh, like uh, clean rigs, like um, Narcan, which is obviously, as you all know, very important to me. And um, we clean up trash as we go. Uh, and, and these outreach uh, events happen once a week and uh, then a, a bonus event every third Saturday of the month. These are – if you ever want to see sort of good work 
um, it, it have an impact, these sorts of events. I've done a couple of them now, uh, and, and they're super important. I mean, it, it's it, when you do it, you you cannot understand without doing it. And, and uh, I, I just have fallen in love with the incredible work of this organization. So uh, I am setting that goal at 2,500 uh, for this for this uh, fundraiser. Um, and, and that is because uh, as with last year, I am going to match all the donations. So um, let's get to that amount. And uh, let's let's make I mean, for an organization this small and, and it is they're only a couple years old. Uh, that is changed. I mean, that's important money. That is that is real important money. So um, last week, your good egg was to share the fundraiser. Uh, that's obviously not your good egg this week. But but if you see it on social media, please do it. Um, it is also in the show notes of this episode, uh, and you can learn more by going to the website, which is also in the show notes of this episode, or uh, please reach out if you want to know more, if you live in the Philly area and want to get involved, um, or, or just if, if this resonates with you and, and you know, you want to be connected to Sarah, she is always down to chat and, and tell people about the organization, please reach out. I would love to talk to you about Savage. Um, and thank you to the people who've already donated. I'm recording this on Wednesday. Um, uh, what is today? The, the 30th of June. And we're uh, closing in on $500. So um, thank you to those who have already done that. Uh, obviously super important to me. So um, that is the fundraiser. Obviously, you're going to hear about that for the next couple of weeks. My birthday is the 10th. So you'll hear about that uh, at least once more, if not twice more. <laughs> um, this week's episode. You saw her if you watched A Day in the Life a couple weeks ago. Her name is Heather Wild Smith. She is a coach, uh, but she is also a former sex worker. Um, she says in this episode, or I say uh, that, you know, you will have heard her story by now because it has gone out as a bonus episode of the podcast. That isn't true. Um, I wasn't able to, to fit that in the schedule yet. It'll probably be uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, definitely go watch it though. It'll be great to hear it. Don't get me wrong. It's going to be a really fantastic episode, but there was something special about that event. Now, if for those of you keeping track at home, I have not done a day in the life since hers. Um, the next one is going to be next week, which is July, uh, was that the eighth, seventh, something like that. Um, next Wednesday, uh, well, it, it'll be a solo event. It's just me telling a story. I had planned to take a couple weeks off or, or about a month off because they're every two weeks. So I was going to skip in a couple of events um, after Heather anyways. And then she was so good that I was like, I'm really glad I'm, I'm already doing this because this is going to be the best one for a long time. For those of you who missed it, uh, a little bit of context. It was uh, it was Heather telling stories about her time as, as a sex worker. Um, it also included her faking not one, but two orgasms on the show. So um, <laughs> definitely go check it out. Uh, not one to watch with the kids, if, if that's a thing you do, unless, unless that's something you're cool with. And then props to you for being a very progressive parent. But definitely go check it out. You can find it on my Facebook, on my YouTube, and my Twitter. For full context, starting next week, um, Day in the Life, Rock Bottom Storytellers, all these live, live events will no longer be going live on Twitter. Uh, I finally, after almost a year of lobbying, was able to get uh, LinkedIn live. And so they will be going live on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Very excited about that. Now, as always, would not be an episode of this podcast without mentioning audio quality. Uh, 
most of the time it's me being nitpicky. It's just me going, yeah, okay, I want it to be a little better. Not this week. So um, this one's my fault. I apologize. I am almost unlistenable <laughs> on this episode. Heather sounds great, which is always more important. Uh, what happened was I had my audio settings still uh, turned to um, the, the 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 settings for live events, uh, and and this is way more information than you need. But it's much louder because I stand farther back. Obviously, it's 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 video. You want to see me, but for the podcast, uh, I then take a step in and I'm right in front of the microphone as I am right now. I sound like I'm screaming at you the entire episode. And so because of that, I had to turn the audio way down so I wouldn't blow out your eardrums. Um, and I just don't sound good. I have flat out, it's it's not good. So uh, my apologies on that. I almost didn't play this because I was like, wow, I sound that bad. Um, but Heather did such a tremendous job on this interview that it would not be fair to her to not have this go live. And, and whenever you try to re-record things as someone who has done this multiple times now, not on my show, I've never had people re-record, um, but, but multiple times I've given an interview, uh, the person then contacted me and said, hey, something got screwed up or whatever the case is, can we redo it? And it's never as good. There, there's something about the off the cuff um, uh, quality of an initial interview that's just better. So uh, not fair to, to Heather if I didn't put this out, uh, but my apologies on the sound quality. All right, without further ado, enjoy this conversation with Heather Wildsmith and stick around till the end for your card and your good egg. Enjoying the podcast? Consider supporting it on Patreon. You'll get behind-the-scenes looks, sneak peeks, extra bonus content, and best of all, a way to interact with me, your host. You'll also get discounts on merch like tank tops and magnets and all the other services I provide, like booking me to speak, coach or consult, or even advertise here on the podcast. Check it out in the show notes or in patreon.com slash choose your struggle. Plans start at as little as $3.40 a month, and all the money goes right into the podcast. All right, let's get back to the show. Thanks for sharing the podcast with your friends. If you're listening on Apple, please rate and review, or check out the review link in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Jay, for having me on. Um, I am Heather Wild-Smith. I'm a transformational business coach for ambitious, conscious entrepreneurs who want to make bank, but not, um, but only if they're able to serve their clients with integrity. That was, uh, wow. Your, your <laughs> elevator pitch is right on. I am impressed. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I am also a former sex worker, which is what we're going to be talking about today. What? I didn't know that. I know. I just snuck up on you with that. You thought we were going to have a nice, clean conversation. <laughs> so, so, um, you know, the, the, I think that the thing that needs to be said before we get into this is that if you have not gone and listened to Heather's A Day in the Life yet, which uh, by the time this comes out will have been a Monday motivation episode. So you have no reason to have missed it so far. Um, but I will say with Heather's, if you have a chance to go on Facebook, YouTube, or it was on Twitter uh, to, to watch it, 
do yourself a favor and do it. Uh, it. It was so good that I was really glad that I was taking a break from a day in the life afterwards. And, and I don't want to, to spoil it, but I will say multiple times Heather has a fake orgasm. So I think that's all I need to say <laughs> to get you to go uh, check out Heather's Heather's interview. It wasn't just once. It was literally twice. So uh, uh, you should definitely go do that. But, but for real, um, this is going to be a, a different interview today because normally you know, you guys know the arc uh, of how these shows normally go. This one's going to be different because we're going to spend a lot more time actually talking about Heather's story. Uh, as some of you know, because I've talked to some of you in person, that it's it's been a quest of mine for a long time to have someone who can actually talk intelligently from experience about sex work on this podcast and that day is today so uh we are i'm i'm very delighted to have heather joining us uh she has been so kind to be very open with her story she was she was that on the day in the life to to a t and we talked we've talked now multiple times she is very forthright and 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 patient with, with, with people who have questions myself obviously included so i think heather the, the where we're going to start this because as you know, this is something you and I have talked about now multiple times. There are a lot of people who get into sex work for, for not great reasons. That's just that's just a fact. But but the thing is, a lot of people seem to think that everybody gets into sex work that way. And as your story illustrates, that could not be farther from the truth. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely in my time knew people that had been brought into the industry by pimps. Um, nobody lied to them about it, though. Um, they, they got into it. They knew what they were getting into, um, at least uh, ostensibly. <laughs> you can't really know until you're there. Um, but yeah, I, I, in 16 years of it being my, my primary income, I only, actually, no, I never came across a single person who was tricked into the industry. And I met a lot of people. <laughs> so um, you know, definitely everybody has their own stories about how they came into the industry. Um, I, my story is pretty unique, um, because I think everybody I knew, they had an in, they had somebody that they knew that was already doing it. And I just kind of jumped in feet first on my own. <laughs> so actually question about that's a great point because obviously I've heard your story before, but like, there is a there's a difference between sort of being like oh that looks interesting to no straight up I'm going to do that right I mean that is yeah. I I think a lot of things are interesting uh, <laughs> I, I have not tried them but I think that they're very interesting so so I guess that that would be the question of as you tell the, your intro story be a little frank about how you had the balls to try this for the first time <laughs> um, depression helped. Um. <laughs> say that <laughs> so as as I talked about um on the a day in, in the life is that actually um I was already sexually active I was sexually actually active at 14 and um I really liked sex and uh then I went to see pretty woman and um I was like how cool is that like sex and money <laughs> I mean, that just sounds like fun. At the beginning of the movie, I'm just like, wow, that looks like an adventure. And you have to understand, and I explained this in the um, in the other thing, was that I grew up in a very small town. I was pretty sheltered. It was very boring. Um, I knew that I did not belong there at a very young age. Um, there were uh, racial 
tensions it's just it was it was like I don't belong here this place is fucking crazy please get me out and so um I really connected with Vivian in the movie because she was um she's actually the actress is from Smyrna Georgia near Atlanta but they made her uh, say she was from Macon Georgia so that kind of clicked I was like hey she's a Georgia girl and um at the part in the movie where he's saying that he'll put her up on a condo and you know just basically wants to get her off the street but he's not going to be in a relationship with her and she says that she wants the fairy tale at 15 years old, having never had contact, any known contact, I may have been, this is the funny thing, like sex workers don't go to like a special grocery store. They go to the same damn grocery stores as, as you do. So you have met sex workers, you just didn't know, okay? Yeah, so I had never knowingly met any sex workers. And, um, but I, I was just, I was fascinated by it. And when he's saying that he won't give her the fairy tale, he'll just give her this practical thing. I was like, bitch, go for it. Like, get the condo. You got like a new wardrobe. He's going to give you some money. He said he'll arrange for transportation. I'm like, girl, get some better tricks. Like, and um, so it was in the back of my mind. I was really, really fascinated by it. And um there was a there was a movie called I want to say it was called like Angel or something and it was this awful like B or C grade movie um, and it was about this honor student who was like in high school but she was a streetwalker at night and she was like supporting her and like her little brother or something I don't know I was a straight A student so I was like see straight A students can be hookers too um, <laughs> I lived my whole life through movies so but I never thought I would do it because. I was smart. I was good in school. Um, I came from a good family and um, I didn't think I was pretty enough. Like I was very, very tomboyish. And, um, you know, I was never, I was always praised for my brain and never for my look. So I thought, well, you know, that's not really open to me, but I was very fascinated by it. And um, I earned two academic scholarships and went to, went to college and they kept asking me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I was like, I don't want to grow up. <laughs> no. that's not an answer you hear to that question that often what do you want to be to grow up not grown up i want to stay this age well you know and it's not even so much about the age it's the mindset like all the adults in my life made being an adult look very boring um so um yeah so uh yeah so i kept i kept looking at things and i love to learn but i hate institutionalized learning and um my family kind of went fucking crazy um, I mentioned depression earlier. So uh, my family went fucking nuts uh, my first year of college. And by the second year, it was very difficult for me to go to class and keep my grades up and everything. And at the end, the summer after my second year of college, we'll back up. So one of my, one of my friends met my family. Um, one of my college friends met my family. And he was like, Heather, your family needs to be bombed. And I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, no, seriously, your family needs to be bombed. He's like, you don't need to go back home. And I'm like, okay, I don't really see that it's that serious. But um, at any rate, things had taken a turn for the worse. My parents had, had split up, which was a good thing, but then madness ensued. And I was really, really depressed. And then the summer um, after my second year of college, um, the family situation got more fucking insane. And at that point, I was like, okay, um, I kind of don't care what they think anymore, <laughs> you know, before it was like, you know, I don't, I don't want to disappoint my family, but then, you know, like this madness ensues and I'm like, you know, um, I don't know if I care so much, you know, about what they think. 
And um, I was in Atlanta, which was like an hour from where I grew up. And I decided I would go for it, you know? So um, (laughs) I went to get a uh, stripper's permit and- (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so listeners, that's going to happen a lot during Heather's story because uh, that happened a lot during a day in the life where I was just like, hold up, that's a thing. Uh, so quickly, uh, because the, the analogy I'm kind of getting here is like when I was little, I was like, I'm going to be a baseball player, even though people were like, you're probably not going to be a baseball player. And I worked my ass off until I realized I can't be a baseball player. You, on the other hand, were like, screw you. I'm going to do this. And it sounds like you said your story included a stripper's permit. So strippers have to get a permit. That's a thing the strippers need. Yes. In in Georgia, at least. Um, yeah, you have to buy a permit. And uh, back in 1996, it was $47. Um, now, um, it had gone up to as high as like $350 per club per year. And they do a background check. They fingerprint you. They do a background check on you. And if you pass that, then you get your permit. So it's kind of like getting a, a liquor permit to, to serve alcohol if you're a server or, or a bartender. Only way more expensive because you're showing your pussy. Um, (laughs) I just know that like anytime you've got an adult business, like they always find ways to tax you harder, you know? So I had to go get this permit and um, the line was around the block because every stripper in the world had come to Atlanta thinking that they were going to make all this money off the Olympics. And um, I I don't do mornings. I'm I'm just now becoming a, a morning person now and, it's interesting, but, you know, so I showed up kind of late. The line was around the block. They stopped giving out permits before I was able to get up. And uh, this awful, awful girl in front of me knew, could tell, like, that I was just country and, like, green as all get out. And she was like, well, they're not giving out permits anymore, but they're going to give them out tomorrow because there's such a big line. Well, the next day was Saturday. So that Saturday morning, I get up and I I got up at like, oh, God, 30 for me. And I get down to the police station at like 7 a.m. And (laughs) I'm sitting on the outside, like I'm the first person there. And like nobody else shows up and nobody else shows up and nobody else shows up. Finally, a cop comes out and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm here to get my dancers permit. (laughs) He's like, "Uh, we don't give permits on Saturday. But they felt sorry for me. And so they they brought me in, they fingerprinted me, and they're giving me the permit. Well, Atlanta was woefully understaffed for police. And the fucking Olympics were coming. And they were trying to talk me into becoming a cop. And I actually, <laughs> I actually said to them, I said, look, I said, I think I have a lot less uh, chance of getting shot working as a stripper than I would as a cop. <laughs> I mean... So they gave me the permit. I go back to the club and they take the permit. And the second night, not the first night, but the second night I was there, I get called into the back office and the manager's like, um, he's like, sit down. And I'm like, okay, what the fuck? And he's like, are you a cop? And I said, no. And he said, are you a cop? And I said, no, I'm a broke college student. And he said, you have now told me that you are not a police officer. So any evidence that you gather is now null and void. And I was like, what part of broke college did you not understand? Right. But because I got a permit on Saturday, they thought I was a cop. (laughs) So, so, okay. So, so you, you, you go to the club and and I guess, I guess what I'm, my question from what you're saying is, (laughs) 
is it true the rumors that a lot of strippers are also you know escorts or or into sex work that you just have to know how to ask i think it depends on the girl um usually strippers strip and hookers hook and there's not a lot of, of crossover. Like we may start off in one area and like migrate to another, but overall, like I hated stripping. Um, it's like being in, it's, it's like being trapped in a middle school with a bunch of middle school acting girls who are also drinking and on drugs and will like steal your thong just to spite you. Like, it's just madness. It's just, I've never, I've never had that happen to me. I can't, I can't, uh, <laughs> I can't commiserate. I can empathize. Uh, but I've never had my thong stolen by a drunk stripper. So, <laughs> okay, so so if if that's not the case, you start as a stripper, but you like you have a goal in mind, and it's not stripping. Yeah. So it was it was me being you know an egghead like and being just very methodical about this. Let's go do this thing that's legal first. You know, let's go do this thing. It's, it's like it's like I went for the training wheels first. You know. <laughs> That's fair. I I, I, I want to say, I want to pause and say that I really appreciate the hard work you put in. Like, like no joke, right? You put a lot of work into doing this. This isn't, I think when people think about sex work, they're like, oh, they, they just, you know, go do it. Like, no, you're proving that, like, you put a lot of work in, into following this dream. Well, it, <laughs> I did, actually. Um, and it's, and it's, you know, it's, if I had had, if I had had an in, it would have been a lot different, you know, um, but I didn't have an in, you know, so, um, so I stayed like the third night of the stripping thing, and I hated it, you know, I just, it was just miserable, and, um, but I heard another girl talk about Jack Shacks, and I was like, ooh, what's a Jack Shack? <laughs> and so, Jack, Jack Shack is the colloquial term, for a lingerie modeling shop and um you know ostensibly it's it's like going into the vip room at a strip club instead of there being girls dancing everywhere you're just going into a room with a girl and um a lot of hand jobs happen there you know most of those girls at least claim to not do anything more than like hand jobs um but i'm sure you know some of them did and um, i'm sitting in this place and i worked there for about two months and it was crazy. It was like, <laughs> it was this guy named Big Ed. And he would like wave his window, his, his gun out the window into the parking lot because the street hookers outside would come to our parking lot and try to like steal our tricks. <laughs> and he would be, you could hear, we'd be watching TV. We were watching the Olympics, you know, and you hear Big Ed, get the fuck out of my parking lot, you skanky hose, man. <laughs> I, I, it's a miracle that I survived my first and, few and years. And at this time, you're, you're, how old were you, 20, like 19, 20? I was 20. I was about to turn 21. And I'm, I'm sitting over in the corner and like all these girls hated me. And they're, you know, talking like whatever they're talking about. I would listen to them, right? And um, this one girl, um, I, I'm always tempted to do this valley girl voice when I'm imitating her, but she was not a valley girl, but... Uh, but she was like, we're better than strippers because we only dance when we get paid to. And we're better than escorts because we don't fuck. And I was like, yeah, but escorts make more money. <laughs> so you, but, but, but even more than that, you just like, you weren't there for the, the, the judgment. You weren't there for the stigma. You were there because you, 
you were following this this dream and you're you know you were in the minor leagues but you were working on making it to the majors well yeah one way of, of looking at it it was just like you know sex work especially in the beginning was more about the adventure than it was the money and um you know, I was very depressed, you know, by this point, I was on medication, I was seeing a therapist. Um, but you know, my life was just the life as I knew it was just falling apart around me. And um, it was awful. And I think I was a little suicidal. Honestly, <laughs> I was just like, I'm gonna go have this adventure. And if I get killed while I'm there, so what? <laughs> well, I, I'm glad that, that you uh, got to have the adventure without being killed. That's, that's good. It, it, it is. It is. Yeah. So um, so I stayed at that place for a couple months and um, I really wasn't making a lot of money and um, it wasn't in a great part of town. I didn't know the city, so I didn't know that this is a bad part of town when I started working there. And like I said, every hooker had come from like all over the country and the planet to work the Olympics. And so everywhere was like full up and like I wasn't. I wasn't very pretty. I didn't know how to make myself cute. I didn't know how to dress, you know? So I was basically just being hired because I was white and I was young, you know, I was, I was baby face. Like I could have passed for 18 easily, you know, even though I was 20, not that that's a huge age difference, but anyway. Um, yeah. So finally um, you were talking about how does one find these things? So um, and I was telling you that you, you found us in the yellow pages back then. <laughs> yeah, that was so fascinating. I, I mentioned this actually. So, so for those who have yet yet to watch her day in the life, she, I mentioned how in 1996. I don't think. I mean, I was 10, but but if I had been an adult, I don't know that I would know how to find someone. Where today it's like the internet, right? I mean, the internet wasn't right. really as popular. And my wife afterwards was like, "That was a bunch of bullshit. You didn't know how to find a hooker." I was like, <laughs> "Okay, I, I don't know if you if you mean that as like a compliment, but it's, it's just like you were you were lying. That was." a lie um so, so yeah so so okay so anyway back to your story so you're you're doing you're doing this for a couple of months but you, you you decided to kick it up a notch yeah 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 so you know i learned a couple things i learned about tip hustling i learned about you know you go in for one price and then you you know explain to people hey it's going to be more if you want to do this that and the other thing and so i picked up like a little bit of game and you know i was doing it the hard way because like if you're with a pimp he he teaches you um, if you if he has other women working for him, those are your wife in laws and they teach you, you know, and um, I didn't have any of this. And and like I said, I'm working this place where I was like the odd man out, like did, they did not like me. And um, so everything I was learning, I was just kind of like picking up from, you know, listening to them to talk about what they did, you know, with their clients. So um, I didn't know about the Yellow Pages yet, but there was a publication in Atlanta, where um, it was like a, a, a giant, like an oversized, well, it was a it was a twofold newspaper instead of being like, you know, fourfold, but it was pretty big. And we would, you know, we would, it had all the adult stores and, you know, the strip clubs had, you know, uh, their ads and, you know, everything. And I was looking through it and I was like, how am I going to choose, you know, um, how am I going to choose? Like, who am I going to call? And I finally decided I was going to call this one, this ad that said Girl Casino because they had a full page color ad and I was like okay that had to be expensive you know so if they're paying for full page color ads they've got to be doing something and I was right they were actually the longest running biggest agency in Atlanta and um so I called them up and um got an interview and I went to this interview 
and I like I, I was so book smart, but I had no common sense. And I definitely like had barely I was just starting to learn about any kind of uh, criminal knowledge. <laughs> and um, so I go to this interview and it was in the parking lot of a Kinko's. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> like you were just what <laughs> yeah what yeah yeah is in the parking lot of a kinko's uh because kinko's was 24 hours so you would meet them in places that were 24 hours so it didn't draw attention to like why are all these people milling around in this parking lot oh, uh, i guess that makes sense yeah right and so most of the agencies didn't want people to actually know where the office was because they didn't want to get robbed you know so um and this agency at this point was probably doing um, having girls go to at least 30 clients a night. So, I mean, that's that's three grand. You know, if, if each girl only stayed an hour, you know, that was over three grand that they would have in cash, you know, and you don't want to put stuff in the bank because then you're on the hook with the IRS about it. So, um, yeah, so I meet up with this guy in the parking lot and he's a young guy. He's like um, maybe 25 at the time. Fucking beautiful. Oh, my God. He was so beautiful. Did not realize he was the boyfriend of the manager. <laughs> but I show up in like jeans, a t-shirt, my short hair, because it was growing out from a buzz cut because I was like college lesbian and um, <laughs> no makeup on. And uh, the guy's like, I'm, you know, filling out the paperwork and everything. And he's like, um, do you know what this is? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> He was like, okay. And so, um, you know, filled out all my paperwork and everything and, you know, explained, you know, how the the, the beeper codes, you know, and, and like who to call and what to do and blah, 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 blah. And I drove back to the condo that I was house sitting for. And as soon as my to my tires touched the pavement of the parking lot, my, my beeper went off for the first time. And um, I went, I saw five clients that night and I didn't have sex with a single one of them. And uh, yeah, because I just, I had picked up enough hustle to be like, yeah, you got to give me more money. And um, so I was in love. I was like, I made $500 and I didn't even have to have sex. Like, this is pretty cool. <laughs> I'm not sitting in an office. I'm not, nobody's breathing down my neck. You know, I just like call these people and let them know where I am. And, you know, so it, it was, it was fine. And then the second night, um, I, the first guy that I went to, um, he hustled me <laughs> and he was like, you know, you're not really my type, but if you'll tell the agency you left, I'll keep you, you know, and like, I'll just give you that, that money. You don't have to split it with them. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm just so stupid on so many levels. But so I have, I have sex with this guy and then I, I called off, I called him and I was like, I was like, Hey, like, um, I need to, I need to go home for a minute. And they were like, okay. And um, I went back to my house and I like, I remember I made myself spaghetti and I just kept waiting because in Pretty Woman, she talked about the first time that she had sex for money, she cried and just like bawled. And so I was like, what if I have a delayed reaction? <laughs> so that's that, that's that stigma at play is that it's supposed to be a negative thing. And you were like, this was, a, this was a happy occasion for you. Yeah, I was just like, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna hedge my bets on this one, you know. I'm gonna go home, but after a couple hours, like, I'm fucking, I'm fine. <laughs> I went back to work, and that was that was my beginning as an escort. And um, 
It was August 28, 1996. Uh, for years, I celebrated my anniversary. I would have, um, I would get like, uh, it was always great. I would call like Baskin Robbins and I'd be like, I want an ice cream cake. And I want it to say happy anniversary." <laughs> Give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we would. I would get my friends over. We would watch like you know hooker themed movies. We would watch Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, and you know like just make a night out of it. Like I was always very open. All my friends knew. Um, my family knew. My boyfriends knew. Yeah. So you you had you had boyfriends or period. I mean you you had partners during this time. Were they? Did, you know, was this a thing that they were cool with? Did they struggle with this? I mean, how, how did that go? Yeah, there was definitely, definitely struggle. Um, they knew before they got with me. Um, I never lied to them about it. Um, I, I, well, actually I would lie to them on occasionally about things that happened or didn't happen or whatever. Um, but they knew, they knew what I did. Um, most of my friends, um, their boyfriend not know. They thought that they were just that we were just going in and modeling lingerie, you know, um, but I was always very I didn't feel like it was fair, you know, so I was always very open and um, it, it caused it caused a lot of grief. Like it just I have a theory that um, that it takes men about two months to actually fall in love with someone because they would be fine with it until the two month mark and then they would break up with me <laughs> and then we would end up getting back together. But um, yeah, so it was it was it was really hard and in my mind at the time, I was like, they're just, they're men. They're trying to control me. I'm a woman. It's my body. I'll do what I want. But now, like, um, I have a better understanding of men. And I understand that, you know, when a man really cares about a woman, he really feels like it's his duty to protect her. And here I was stepping out, and I wouldn't let them protect me. And so I understand in a new way. Like I wasn't dating controlling people. Like they were just honest to God terrified for me, you know? Um, and you know, even if I didn't get killed, like they didn't, you know, they knew that there were close calls and craziness to happen and they, they didn't want me to go through that. And I was very cavalier. I was, I was very much an asshole about it. I've actually had to make amends for it. <laughs> well, before we get into some of those stories, let's pause. And if you wouldn't mind shouting out where people can find you online, where they can follow you, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so um, I have heatherwild.com. Um, wild is W-Y-L-D-E. Um, best place to find me right now is Facebook, and I'm Heather Wild Coach, all one word, on Facebook. And, um, yeah, I've got an IG. You can follow me over there. It's also at Heather Wild Coach. I am so excited to tell you about my new CBD sponsor, Roadrunner. You all know I love my old CBD sponsor, and I switched for one main reason. This stuff works. I've been a runner my whole life, but unfortunately, I'm also super easily injured. One of my high school friends used to call me Mr. Glass. And back in 2015, when I ran my first half marathon, I got hurt, like really hurt. And since then, I haven't been able to run more than three or four miles without serious pain. That is until I tried Roadrunner CBD's Muscle Gel. In a few short months, I'm regularly running five and a half to six miles each outing, and I'm currently training for my next half marathon. I don't want to call it a miracle cure, but it's damn near close. So check it out at my personal Roadrunner link, which is roadrunnercbd.com slash ref slash CYS. Again, that's 
roadrunnercbd.com slash ref slash CYS, or at the link in my show notes or on my podcast website, and use the code CYS at checkout to get 10% off on all of their awesome products. Check it out today. Find me on social media. Check the link in the show notes or search for me, Jay Schiffman, on YouTube and LinkedIn, and choose your struggle on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Awesome. So now, you know, we could probably spend hours uh, <laughs> with you just telling funny stories. In fact, I know you can because that's what a day in the life was. So again, everybody go, go check that out. But, you know... I think the most important thing we can do here is dispelling the myths that, you know, all sex work is violent, that it's all, you know, uh, you, you have told me that you had, you know, you were in this for a good amount of time. And, and you said, obviously there were some, some bad experiences, but you also had a lot of good experiences too. Um, I did. I did. Um, I had a lot of adventures. Uh, we, we call them um, adventures, escapades, uh, and fiascos. <laughs> that's, the, that's the title of your book, by the way. Once you put it out, that's the title of your book. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I had um, uh, I had uh, a sugar daddy that I very much liked uh, a lot. Um, he was a really, really sweet guy. And um, he, he, you know, spoiled me quite a bit um, for about nine months. Um, I got to be on TV. I was on um, the local news a couple of times being interviewed about sex workers rights. And I was on uh, an ABC documentary called Sex, Drugs and Consenting Adults. And I was also uh, heavily featured in an MTV documentary called Sex 2K Escorts. So um, got got some media exposure and some speaking, uh, some speaking engagements out of that. Um, you know, I met some really, really nice people. Um, most, most people were really nice and they were like, kind of, they didn't make for good stories. Right. Because it was just, I went in and they told me what they wanted. We negotiated a price. Um, they had fun. I left, you know, um, and I shared with you, one of my favorite things was when, um, was when people would say that I brightened their day, you know? And, uh, yeah, yeah. So I don't know, like you have to, you're going to have to kind of jar my brain, like the specific stuff. (laughs) You know, but that is such a wonderful response because, you know, sex work, I think is one of those things that we see differently than is just a job. And it's, you know, a lot of the time, yeah, you were doing for a job, a thing that a lot of people, there's a lot of stigma around, but also there were a lot of it that this was just this was a job this was your job and everybody has good parts of their job everybody has bad parts and sometimes it's just a job yeah very much so and that was the hardest thing to to try to explain to people you know especially to the boyfriends you know and and i'm like look i'm going to work Right. Like this is no different. Like I I dated a guy that was a hairstylist. I'm like, this is no different. I feel no differently about this than you do somebody coming in and sitting down in your chair and getting their hair styled. You know, it just, it's, it's like, it's just, it's, it's my job, you know? Um, 
but that was something very, very difficult for a lot of people to understand. And, and I get that. Um, and, you know, I'll say this, like, like I, I can have very intimate sex with a partner um, and, and it, it can be a completely different thing than how I felt at work, you know, because at, at work, um, what is it? One of my mentors told me, and she said, treat every client, like be nice to them, but treat them all like they're homicidal cops with herpes and AIDS <laughs> and you'll be okay. Okay. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that is so oddly specific. <laughs> well, the, the basic thing was she's like, no matter what's going on and how charming they are, realize that it could be a sting, you know, so watch your, watch what you say. Um, and no matter how charming and nice they are, realize that they, you know, there could be a hyperdermic needle under a pillow that they're going to slam into your neck while you're riding them. <laughs> you may wake up dead. Um, and then, you know, as far as like the safer sex, you know, it's like, you just realize that no matter how charming they are, they may be very aware that they have a, an incurable STD that they're trying to pass on, you know, in this act of vengeance and, you know, just be aware of it and be be cautious and be, you know, use your condoms, <laughs> go wash your pussy afterwards. So <laughs> this actually, weird transition, I know, but this reminds <laughs> me of something that I loved from your day in the life. Right. You told me that there is actually a coaching school to, for, for people in your in that line of work and and i think this is a great transition from that career to the one you're doing now so kind of talk a little bit about you know on the, the waning moments of of your your uh your career in sex work to to what you're doing now yeah so um i i loved it i i it was my main income source for 16 years and um you know it was just it was a lot of fun it was a lot of adventure um I brightened a lot of people's days, which I felt really good about. Um, I taught people, you know, things about sex that they could go home and take to their partners. <laughs> you know, um, I felt I felt really good about it. And then the internet really became a thing, and um, it gave rise to these review boards. And these review boards started controlling what we did and how we did it and what we could charge for it. So suddenly it was a lot harder to make money if you were a safety girl, which I very much was. And, um, you know, whereas I had been brought up to be a very cautious criminal and not talk blatantly about stuff on the phone or in emails or whatever, it became very common to get um, these really nasty you know, emails. And one of them that I just, it was one of the final nails in the coffin. This guy uh, sent me a, a thing and he was like, he was like, if I give you $500, can I go balls deep raw in that ass? If you're not interested, if you're not interested, just don't reply. <laughs> I was like, Oh, no, none, none of the pretty woman ro romance in, in that email. Not, not, not Richard Greer. Definitely not Richard Greer. But it was just, it was, it was like, okay, if I, if I reply to this and I say anything and, and I show up and it's a cop, they can arrest me at the door. Like, I don't even have to do anything. Like, you know, um, for another thing, are you, $500? Are you kidding me? Another thing, like, raw what's wrong with these people but it became very this hive mind thing and and they decided that heterosexual aids was a myth and it was just really fucking weird really toxic and i started um 
I remember I had this nightmare that um, I had been talking to my roommate in this dream and um, I was telling them about how I'd really gotten pissed off and I had killed a client. And in talking to him about killing this client in this dream, it was like, I started remembering where I had blacked out and actually killed several other people. <laughs> and I woke up from that dream and I'm like, okay, I'm dreaming about killing clients. I should probably get out. Like, <laughs> that's a good, that's a good sign. Yeah, like I got to get out. And so, um, but it was really scary because escorting um, had become like, it wasn't just a job. It was an adventure. It was my entire identity. Um, I didn't know who I was, you know, without it. And, um, it's, it's scary, you know, when you've done something for so long and it's become your identity, you know, to, it's very scary to walk away, even when you know, you're not happy doing it anymore. So, um, yeah, so I was just, I was, I was at a loss and I was in recovery by then. Um, I, I didn't have a drug problem when I came into the industry. Um, but I developed one while I was in it. I think that would have happened even if I had been, you know, even if I'd gotten a college degree, you know, whatever, I think I was destined to be a drug addict, which was a good thing because um, going through recovery is what actually started to heal my depression and anxiety and, and, you know, make me a, a happier person. It was like my first personal growth at work. But um, I kind of flailed around for a few years and a friend took me to see a speaker at his college and the woman was a career coach. And um, I went up and I talked to her afterwards and I was like, you know, hey, I would like to, you know, be a client. And she was great. Like, uh, she's like, well, what do you do now? And I'm like, well, I'm an escort. <laughs> she didn't miss a beat. You know, she's usually she's used to dealing with like Emory College students. And here I am, you know, and um, she's like, well, what do you like about it? And I'm like, well, I like that I'm my own boss. I like that I'm helping people. You know, I like the money. She's like, what don't you like about it? And I'm like, well, sick of worried about, you know, worrying about going to jail and, you know, all the nonsense. And um, after a few sessions and a personality test, she was like, um, she was like, you can't work for corporate America. <laughs> Not you shouldn't, you can't. And I was like, okay. Um, but, you know, we started talking about coaching and she was like, I think that would be a really good fit for you. So went to my first coaching school and um, then I had to find a niche. And I was like, I don't know. And, and for a while I was like, okay, I just want to totally like get, you know, I just want to let go of everything from my sex work path. And I realized that earlier this year where I'd really taken um, that part of me and kind of just shoved it in a closet. Like I, even though I would talk about it with people, like I had really like disowned everything that had been like thug Heather, you know, <laughs> everything that had been escort Heather. And um which wasn't, you know, wasn't fair. There were, there were great things. There were things that needed to die, but there were, you know, there were some good things too. Um, but I was really like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. You know, I just want to move on with my life. But after a while I was like, well, I know a lot about sex. I could probably help people, you know, with coaching. Is there, is there sex coaching? And, you know, did a, did a search and found a sex coach Institute was what it was called then. I'm not sure what it's called now, uh, but they were out of, of course, Southern California. <laughs> it was an online school, and um, I, uh, I contacted them, and and uh, I was like, "Yeah, I've been I've been in sex work. I think I've probably been in sex work for like eleven years at that point." And they're like, um, "Yeah, so we have a level one and level two. I think we're just going to bump you up to level two. And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, I think that's you know <laughs> probably fair." <laughs> and so um, I didn't I didn't finish my certification with them. Um, even even the level two stuff was a little basic for me and so it wasn't but I mean, it was great material you know but like um 
I think I, we talked about this in my on my last thing too was that one of the things you had to actually fly out to California is to um, be certified in this sexual attitudes readjustment thing. And it was like a weekend and, you know, people from all over the world came for this, you know, program. And what they did was they showed you all this different type of porn, all these different types of porn, because other people have not been as exposed to things as I have. And so they didn't know about, you know, foot fetishes and BDSM and um, some transgender issues. And it was really interesting because me, um, another super high-end escort, well, okay, let me back down. I was never a super high-end escort. She was a super high-end escort. I was like middle of the road. And then Jessica Drake from Wicked Pictures were all in this class. And uh, as we're watching, you know, watching this, uh, all this different porn, you know, over the course of this weekend, we're kind of like looking at each other like, yeah, I've done that. No, my friend called me while she was doing that, you know, oh, I'm planning on doing that with my man next weekend, you know, but so many people were like, oh my gosh, I've never seen gay porn. And I'm like, what kind of rock do you live under? You know, so it was it was very interesting to me to see like, wow, I really have been exposed to a lot, which makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it's a really good program. Uh, it just wasn't really what I wanted to do. Um, I did sex coaching for a few years, and I'll probably incorporate that like some later. Um, but what really, what I'm really interested in is like transformation. And um, one of the reasons why I still talk about my past as an escort, even though, you know, I don't do that anymore, you know, um, is because I want people to know that your past doesn't define you, you know, um, I, I did a lot of work on myself and today I'm able to, you know, look back on that and not have shame about it, um, but not let it hold me back either, you know, um, and that was something that was really hard for me when I was first getting into the coaching industry and all these people were telling their success stories and they're like, yeah, you know, I worked in corporate America for so long and then I got sick of it and I became an entrepreneur and nobody was saying, you know, well, I used to be a hooker. <laughs> and now I'm an entrepreneur. Now I'm a coach. Um, although in sharing my story, I've had people reach out to me and be like, yeah, actually, you know, I actually worked, um, worked as a stripper for a really long time, you know, um, but a lot of people don't talk about that. So I talk about it so that people know that they're not alone, you know, and, um, and that they know that you don't have to be ashamed of it and you don't have to talk about it like I do. Um, but mostly you don't have to let it define you and you don't have to let any trauma from your life, you know, define you. Well, that's what I love so much about what you're doing and sort of this, this, uh, just the person that you are. When we got connected, I, I was like, all right, like, I don't think you were straight up, like, the first thing you said was the sex work. We got connected because of, of your, you know, your path into recovery, and then you were pretty open about it. I was like, all right, like, clearly, this is a person who definitely shares my fuck stigma mantra, and, and, and since then, you know, I really appreciate just how open and forthright you've been, and I, I gotta feel like that... People who are going to work with you as a coach are going to get the benefit of that. So if you wouldn't mind, sort of talk a little bit briefly about what it is, you know, the, what is the perfect client for you? Who is someone that should reach out to you for coaching work? So my big thing is I want to work with entrepreneurs who have a, a bigger mission, right? There's something that they 
feel you know it's a they have a purpose in this world and it can be a part of their coaching thing or it could be something that their coaching or their healing work is, is a stepping stone to like for me um i I'm, it's very much my purpose and mission to help people transform help them build lives of freedom and being an entrepreneur is the best fucking way to do that in my opinion um so i help them get freedom from their um, emotional traumas and from their past and also help them build a business based on their own standards values and desires um, so that they can, you know, feel truly free and live truly free. And I kind of lost my train of thought. Where was I going with? Oh, okay. So perfect client. Okay. So, um, you know, I very much believe that you can make a whole lot of money and still be good to people. I don't believe that those two things are mutually exclusive. And so people that work with me are wanting to find ways of marketing and selling that feel good. Um, because unfortunately, most of what I've seen in the coaching industry from um, I've taken five big business courses, most of the way that we're taught to sell um, is kind of sociopathic. It's kind of icky. There's there's a lot of manipulation and um, negging and um there's some gross stuff out there. And so that's one of the things I'm an expert in is teaching people how to sell in a way that feels really good to them and still gets them clients. Um, but yeah, it's people with a bigger mission. They've got, there's, there's something that they're really, there's a change they're really wanting to see in the world. Um, they're ambitious. They want to make a lot of money, but you know, we're the type of people that you could throw us a million dollars, but if the people that we got that money from weren't getting anything from it, we would be like, here's the money back. Right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's my people are, are people that recognize that you have this big vision and the people that we are that can have the big vision are not the people who can actually live that big vision. So there's a lot of personal transformation that goes along with chasing a big goal, whether it's getting sober or building a business or running a marathon or whatever. Um, if you really want to have like massive personal growth, um, go after a, a nearly impossible dream. Like it will pull you the fuck along. <laughs> I'm sure Jay can relate to that. Yes, uh, very, very much. And, and I think that, um, you know, obviously you, it is, it is easy to see a scenario where you're, you, a different person, cause not you, but, but a, a person with that, that path would let that limit them but you have zero interest in 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 being letting that be the case and so i can definitely say you know if you are looking for a, an awesome coach i've worked with coaches in the past and they make uh such a big difference obviously i talk about my my uh, business coach uh kristen zeva who is a big reason why i'm doing what i'm doing now so definitely cannot say enough about working with a good coach uh you know as someone who is certified as a coach myself uh there is a lot of of uh positivity there and so i can say if you're listening and heather sounds like someone that you would like to work with i think you should give it a try so that is uh, i think the best transition we can get into you shouting out where people can find you one more time if they're interested in working with you yeah, so the best place is I'm on Facebook a lot. So uh, facebook.com slash Heather Wild Coach. I do have a website, heatherwild.com, but it's kind of in a transition period right now. You can also find me on IG, um, you know, reach out in the messages and, you know, just say, hey. Um, and I only I only take people, I won't even pitch to you if I don't think I can, I, you're, if I don't think you're in a place that you're going to get great results working with me, I won't even pitch to you. So you never have to worry about being like strong armed or anything. It's It's not my jam. 
Well, I love it and definitely recommend checking out, reaching out to Heather. At the very least, you'll hear some entertaining stories. So uh, before we sign off, we always have the same two uh, questions. So number one, uh, what self-care habits work for Heather? Ooh, um, you know, I have to be able to zone out and I do a lot of reading and uh, no surprise, I read a lot of smut. I read a lot of paranormal romance novels uh, in, in the bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> That is the first time that paranormal <laughs> smut has ever been said on the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I wish I had a buzzer, uh, like or a gong that w- that whenever something was said for the first time, I could hit it. Uh, because you know, during a day in the life, and now during this interview, you're breaking a lot of those first um, paranormal smut. There is there is the first time that's been mentioned on the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Vampire sex is hot. What can I say? <laughs> I don't agree, but you know what? Whatever you're into, that is definitely the message of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Do what you are into. And if that is vampire sex, then do your thing. Anything other than paranormal smut that we should know about your self-care habits, Heather? Um, you know, um, I do bouncy aerobics. I do a kangoo uh, workout. So you've got these shoes that make you bounce and... It's just really good for your lymphatic system, and uh, it's fun. You, you know, you're like, I'm bouncing. I'm not exercising. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound like fun. All right, so last question. We, we've now spent the last almost an hour hearing why you're amazing. We should all be uh, checking you out and following you online. But but who are a couple people that you follow? What are you, you know, listening to? Um, who, what are you reading? Anything that you want to shout out? <laughs> Wow. Okay. So, um, my business coach is Amanda Rose. She's amazing, you know, super ethical, multi-passionate entrepreneur. Um, she, her copy is highly entertaining. I mean, you follow her just for the entertainment, uh, but she's amazing. Uh, Lauren Najar is, um, was my first business coach ever. And she's really amazing. Lots of great content that she puts out. Um, what I'm reading, God, I mean, it sounds I guess my life kind of does revolve around sex. Jesus. Um, I'm reading a book called Existential Kink. And it's all about how um, if you've got something in your life, especially if it's patterns of things that you say you don't want, that there's basically your shadow side is getting off on it. And so you have to learn to like get off on it so that you can let it go. (laughs) That is super fascinating. I've not heard of that that before. Yeah, seriously, another gong, but like very different gong moment. That's very interesting. I'd not heard of that theory before. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good book. It's uh it, it's uh, it's hard to swallow, but yeah, I found out that um, I'm a kinky little monkey, Jay. <laughs> you know what? That's it. We're gonna finish on that. We can't have a better way to finish this show than Heather saying she's a kinky. That's fine. That is gonna be. Uh, in fact, I'm gonna cut all of this. And that's just no. That would be really weird if like the last Heather was saying that and then it just went silent. That would be that would be fantastic. Well, I, my shadow side is interesting in interested in some weird shit, and we're trying to get on the same page and it's gonna be all right. <laughs> well, as as a guest who I had last season, Janelle Vital, who's a who's a uh, sex and something coach, intimacy coach, I think that's what her title is. As she talked about, fantasies are, are, you know, 
there's nothing wrong with it. That is your, that is you learning something about yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as long as the things that maybe, uh, aren't, aren't as okay, you don't act on then, then, you know, (laughs) having the fantasy is, is just, you're, you're not choosing to do that. It's your subconscious, uh, you know, talking to you. And, and sometimes it's coming from a place of that's unhealthy and that a good therapist can work with you on. And sometimes it's just, you know, your subconscious saying to you, this is something that maybe you should think about a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that, it's it, that's a whole that's that's about three months worth of shows right there. Uh. there well, you'll have to save it for a day in the life too. We'll, we'll, I'll bring you back for that one, uh, Heather. Thank you so much for for coming in today. This is fantastic, and I'm sure the listeners are going to enjoy it. I appreciate you, Jay. This is fun as always. Thanks everybody who listen. Follow Jay. Subscribe to the podcast. He's fucking awesome. Y'all know I love to read, and almost every episode of this podcast includes a recommendation to check out an awesome book. From Adi Jaffe's Abstinence Myth to Johan Hari's Chasing the Scream, I'm constantly looking for new books to learn from and enjoy. That's why I'm super excited to partner with Bookshop. Bookshop is a wonderful website that helps you find all your favorite books and support your local neighborhood bookstore in the process. I've bought everything from textbooks to Star Wars novels on Bookshop, and I've supported my local store with each transaction. Best of all, my Bookshop link will allow you to see all the books I've mentioned on the show right in one spot. So check out Bookshop today using the link in my show notes or go to bookshop.org slash shop slash C-Y-S and you'll find all the awesome books you want and support the podcast in the process. Check it out today. Subscribe to my Patreon for behind-the-scenes looks at the podcast, sneak peeks, and bonus data. You'll also get a discount on Choose Your Struggle merch. Find it at patreon.com slash choose your struggle. All right, we've come to the end of another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Heather. I just think it's so interesting. And what's so important to me, not only was it a funny episode, one that that I laughed a lot at, but like I think the best episode of the show, it challenged a lot of preconceived misconceptions. Um, You know, as Heather and I talk about, is that a reality that people get into sex work in really scary and sad ways? Of course it is. People also get into other <laughs> lines of work in really scary and sad ways. But as Heather talks about in this, it's not the end all be all. And in fact, it kind of the the, the extremes are are what we know and not the average story like Heather's where people who choose this because they like it because they're good at it. It's a job, you know, and that's something that I talk about a lot uh, around my story is in in struggling with substance misuse and addiction is that, you know, this was the, the point of the TED talk kind of was that we only get shown the extreme far end of the spectrum, right? I mean, what if every person who is struggling with cancer, we only knew the person like in the final weeks of their life? That would be a really incorrect glimpse of the entire spectrum of people who struggle with cancer. Well, we get that with a lot of things. We get that with addiction all the time, but we definitely get that with sex work. And I really appreciate Heather uh, dispelling some of those myths. 
All right, your card for today is going to be from one of the Blurt card packs, the Nugget Nuggets of Kindness card packs. Nuggets of Kindness, so thank you, Blurt. This is your card. Love yourself unconditionally, just as you love those closest to you despite their faults. And that was said by Les Brown. Uh, if we did that one before, my apologies. I don't think so, but I, I know we've used something from Les Brown before. So uh, thank you to Les. Thank you. That that card is great. It, that is something that, you know, I talk about a lot. I was interviewed on that not long ago uh, where I said, um, you know, when it comes to imposter syndrome, one of the great ways to measure that or to test that, I think it's a better word to say there, is if you wouldn't say it to your best friend, you shouldn't say it to yourself. Now, you may have a friendship where you call the person out on their BS and that's beautiful. Um, but also you would do it in a nice way and you would say, look, it's definitely normal to feel that way. Here's where I think you're missing, or here's where I think it isn't right. Do that with yourself. You know, don't, don't hold yourself to higher standards. Are you amazing? Hell yeah, you're amazing. You are awesome. Also, <laughs> you're still a person and you make mistakes and, uh, you, you do some things less than perfect. So, uh, definitely it's okay to recognize your shortcomings. It's okay to be honest with yourself, but do it in a kind way. Do it in an accepting way. That's a great card. Now, that's going to go into your good egg for this week. It is so hot. I mean, um, I don't know where you live. Obviously, you live all over. Thank you, listeners. I love you. But here where in the U.S. at least, um, it is so hot. It is scary hot. I mean, if you didn't think climate change is real, I don't know what to tell you. Um, you know, I saw a stat the other day that uh, the Seattle area, it was a certain part of Seattle has had only three or five days over 100 degrees since 1990. Three of them were the last three days. I mean, that is how hot it is right now. Here in Philly, it's supposed to, as I'm recording this, it's supposed to be 95 degrees today with the heat index, it's going to be closer to 105. Um, that's not normal for this area. It is hot. So what happens when people are hot? Their tempers are shorter. They they are quick to, um, I think, treat others more harshly. Obviously, we've seen um, stats that say that, you know, sort of certain par- uh, types of crime go up in the summer. Now, part of that is that people are out of their homes, obviously, but also we as humans do not do well when we are really hot. So your good egg this week is to give someone the benefit of the doubt. If someone does something to upset you, try to be, and, and look, this goes both ways. You're going to be quicker to judge. They're going to be quicker to, to be angry, but try to be the, the, the no pun intended, cooler one in the situation. Okay. That, that pun was intended. Um, <laughs> but just, just give them the benefit of the doubt. Remember that if you're hot, they're hot. You're all hot. We are all struggling with this. So, so try to try to let uh, uh, calmer heads prevail. But more importantly, most importantly, always the most important is to be vulnerable, show your empathy, spread your love, and choose your struggle. <laughs>